It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. You know, the, you know, kind of looking back on them, um, they'll all have their own story. Um, I think we were, we were trying to be aggressive, you know, on the, uh, you know, on, on all those downs. They were kind of one of them. That last one um, was kind of a longer yardage, you know, kind of situation type thing when we were throwing the ball to Adam out in the, uh, out in kind of the, uh, the flat area, deeper flat area. And then we were just trying to activate JJ on, on a kind of a second and 10. Thought we'd get a little bit more on the first down play call. Um, ended up kind of, you know, right, you know, checking the ball down and getting right into that second and 11, second and 10, and tried to activate something, and Slay made a good play. Okay, so KOC, and then we had a we had a clip on Purple Daily of Kirk Cousins being asked about the interceptions, too, and they both have said kind of the same thing, which is that all three interceptions have their own story. Yep. They all have their own their own journey. Yep. Yep. Their own their own family. They all, they all have their own history. Place. They all started in a different place. <laughs> They're all going to end up in a different. Each one of them tells a story that's very different. If we go to interceptionancestry.com, yep. we can go and trace trace the roots of all the interceptions going back. Oh, if you look at this one, it actually traces back to Kirk's mindset in college, which is which is because of the coach that he had. That if you go back over here. Interception oh, one was a very bad one, a very very bad interception. The second it's one was apple. heartbreak, just a heartbreaking play. I love mm. that. The, the third one was necessary recklessness because you're desperately trying to come back from That's down. That's great band too. Seventeen points. You like that? Yeah. You like that? Necessary recklessness. All right. Well, welcome into Mackie and Judd here. If you missed Vikings Vent Line on Purple Daily, we also have a. A day later recap episode of Purple Daily. You can find those on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast feed uh, over on Mackie and Judd and the Score North YouTube channel. Please click subscribe. We're going to hit you with some Viking statements day after a devastating, somewhat embarrassing loss. National TV, another primetime failure. Uh, I know Judd is going to continue to hit the panic button and he is going to continue to stoke the fire. And so I'm going to cut Judd off with my first statement right now. All right. And I'm going to tell you, it's my first statement. The Vikings will still finish above 500. This loss, while ugly, was expected. In fact, they've probably played they've they've either played the schedule exactly how it should play out or even a game better than it should play out depending on because they've been underdogs in both these games. So, if you thought they st- they stole one at home against the Packers in week one, mm-hmm. then maybe they're out in front of this thing. But again, just perspective here. 
I had them starting one and one. And then uh, I don't remember exactly. I have to go look at exactly. But I had them starting one and one with a loss at Philadelphia. And so that's my biggest takeaway is oh, they're pretty much in line. And I had them winning 11, losing at Philadelphia and winning yeah. 11. Yeah. So it was ugly. We'll talk more about it. We'll get into some of the critiques and whatnot. But just taking a step back, having some perspective, I think the Vikings will be fine. I think Kevin O'Connell was was absolutely going to go through some growing pains as a first-year head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk on Monday night in Philadelphia was never a recipe for uh, a massive game and great performance. It never really has been in his career in some of these situations. So I am, I am calm. I am calm today. So off that point, Here's my question then. So how far, like, and this is not saying that that the Vikings can't have a successful year, but saying what you just said, how far can Kirk take this team even with O'Connell as his coach becomes the question? So, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they can win 10 games, 11 games, but if the reality is that you're going to get to a playoff game, the first or second round, and it's going to be an incredibly tough game, I mean... A good team is going to try to kick your ass potentially on the road. What's your yep. faith that the KOC-Kirk combination can achieve what clearly in 2019 the Zimmer-Kirk combination couldn't achieve? Well, it, it, would, it would be a game like that, right? You'd be yeah, going right. to Philadelphia or San Francisco yes, or, or whatever. And so my faith on September 20th, 2022, two games into the partnership, is very low that they would... Let's say they get in at nine wins or ten wins. They go on the road and they play San Francisco or something in the first round. Or they play the Rams or whatever. My faith right now is very low. But I think it was unrealistic to expect that, all right, you're going to play Green Bay and Philadelphia with a first-year head coach yes. and, and a new defensive scheme, and everything's going to look the way that it's going to look in December. Mm-hmm. That's a completely unrealistic expectation. I expected some bumps in the road. I even had them losing a home game against Chicago early because I think everything before the bye is just – there's six games before the bye. Finish three and three. Get to the bye as you're building this thing. And last night fell into the bucket of a, a road bump. Am I a little annoyed that uh, you know the mission to quiet Kirk's mind with a new system and you got you've got a new player friendly set of coaches and Kirk's going to get to spread the ball around in a in a Kirk friendly system that fits his strengths and he's going to meet with his head coach for more than 45 minutes just once a week. And all of this is going to culminate. Uh, would I like to have seen it culminate in dramatic fashion last night with like a second-half comeback? Yes. Because it didn't happen, does that mean that the whole thing is off the rails? No. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of season left. I, I want to see this play out. All right. My first right. statement is this. <laughs> Playing off of that, now we find out. So, like, since the day O'Connell... Got the job. He's done a very good job of talking about adversity is going to hit. I know that. It's my job to take care of that. And look, I mean, you're going to lose games. So th- this is not a player being arrested. This is not some terrible, terrible thing. But you know what this is? This is the first adversity that Kevin O'Connell's Vikings have hit. And and with a tough game against a Detroit team that's not very good, I don't think, defensively, but certainly could score points. You have to come back on a short week now, and it's not going to be probably uh, the easy games that we became used to for a long time against yeah. the Lions. And so now we find out. Now now the plan is in action. It's in motion. What do you do 
to get back on, on track. Because, Phil, to your point, there should be an opportunity here to certainly get some wins. But this is going to be the first time that we don't talk about what will you do when p- potential adversity hits. Now we're talking about what are you going to do now? And this will allow us to find out. And I think it becomes a very important uh, part of the storyline and a chapter in the early Kevin O'Connell era as the Vikings coach. Yeah, it's like for years and years, that Lions game was kind of a half a bye week, right? Just not that it was a pushover. I mean, they almost lost to the Lions twice last year. But yeah, this is that that is a Lions team that they're four and four in their last eight games. Jared Goff has kind of reverted back to being in a, in a good way, reverted back to being the guy that he was. In, in Los Angeles with the Rams. Yep. He's thrown his last seven games, he's thrown 17 touchdowns, three interceptions, and a 105 passer rating. So you're not just going to get to exhale and stomp the Lions out. And then you got a London travel week. You're, you're kind of just, again, three and three going into the bye would be a massive win for this, for this team with a new head coach. And then you're sort of set up with a bunch, you got a bunch of home games the second half of your schedule. And uh, you should be able to take advantage, but you got you got to get to the bye week <laughs> with all four wheels intact. Mm-hmm. So, Dex, I'll piggyback off Judd's statement and say that it's uh, it's time for a vibe check. It's time for a vibe check with the Minnesota Vikings. So they, they finally lost a game. They lost ugly. So how does Kevin O'Connell respond? It, it was obviously silly to assume they weren't going to go seventeen and zero. They were eventually going to get punched in the mouth. They got punched pretty damn hard in Philadelphia. Um, and yesterday's loss kind of felt a lot like the old regime, right? Still plenty of opportunities. You had you had chances to come back, but you still shot yourselves in the foot on both sides of the football. So can KOC respond in a positive way against the Lions? Um, which kind of hole will they dig themselves out of? You know, Kevin O'Connell referenced the five weeks last year where the Rams basically went without a win and they still were a Super Bowl contender, so they were able to get out of that. But the vibes around the Vikings for the, basically the last seven months, as the kids would say, were immaculate, right? The vibes, the vibes were immaculate. Everything was positive, and we're going to change this culture and change everything, and things are going to be great. Yesterday was the first probably sour taste that Vikings fans have felt since probably, what, the end of the regular season, basically? It was basically six months of, all right, we're, gonna, we're excited for this new regime. You kicked the Packers' butt on week one. All right, now it's a vibe check time. You got punched in the mouth pretty hard against Philadelphia. How do the Vikings and how does KOC yeah. and Kwesi respond? It's I'm I'm trying so hard to not just overreact to an atrocious, ugly performance, but th- this truly does happen to almost every team. Uh, on on Purple Daily, I brought up the uh, the Buffalo Bills of last season with you guys, and uh, as we were changing over to record Mackie and Judd, I did a little bit more digging. So the Buffalo Bills were again excellent last year, third highest scoring offense, number one scoring defense. They got sm- they got not smoke, but they got beat at home in Week One by a Ben Roethlisberger led Steelers team later in the year. So they were at one point they were they were seven and four, uh, sort of falling. Then they lose to the Patriots seven to five in that game where New England didn't they run the ball like all but two snaps or something in that windy game? I think that was last year. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, they got beat in overtime by the Bucks. Uh, they lost a they lost a home game to the Colts, forty-one to fifteen, on November twenty-first last year. And this is one of the best teams in the NFL, a team that's a Super Bowl favorite this year. It happens. 
So I think I'm trying to separate the it happens nature of last night's loss with, okay, can you bounce back and not have some of these things be a trend? I want to add to to the the forward-looking portion of this discussion. My next statement is the schedule is already changing dramatically. So you've got, you, you know, we do our picks after the draft, you know, how many wins the Vikings going to have, and then when the season starts, we do the picks, and then once you get usually like a month or two of games, you start to figure out who the teams are. It's been two weeks, and you can already say, well, Detroit's definitely not a pushover, and Miami is a high-octane, ridiculous offense with receivers that are almost impossible to cover. But then on the flip side, you can say, yeah, but the Arizona Cardinals are kind of a mess coming out of the bye in Week 8. The Dallas Cowboys... Who knows who their quarterback's going to be, you know, week 11 when you play them in November. Um, the Colts look like more of a disaster than maybe people thought at the beginning of the season. Right. So it's the Giants might be more feisty than you thought with new head coach and Saquon Barkley being healthy. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know that it has shaken out to be like a harder schedule. I think you're swapping some teams that you thought were going to be better for some teams that, you know, on the flip side. But it's, I guess it's interesting to see how the Vikings schedule is already. Maybe that Eagles game, you thought, oh, the Vikings and Eagles are kind of the same. And then after last night, you're like, oh, actually, the Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFL. So we'll see how it continues to, to shape shift this Vikings schedule. I think two games in, the most important thing in this league also is, is how you judge your team and yourself. So it's not like, you know, game one was great. Packers, you, you beat them. They were hurt. Game two was a disaster. I think it's more what you're trying to, and this is probably true for about the first month of the season. It's what you learn about yourself. And I would say that the two key words for today for the Vikings are adversity and resiliency. Because that's really the key thing, right? How do you now bounce back? It's why I was I was disappointed that last night things went south after Irv Smith dropped that, that ball. Because as we we uh, uh, talked about on PD, you know, when Irv Smith drops that ball, it's adversity within the game. And how do you respond? Do you say, oh, my God, we just dropped a touchdown pass. We're screwed. Or, you know what, screw it. We're going to go right back. Um, and it felt like that they got thrown off by that play down 21-7, to not working. Uh, so I really believe that that with the game against Detroit, it's not like, well, Philly's great and the Packers stunk, blah, blah, blah. I think it's this. I think it's how do you as a team internally bounce back now? And it's why Cousins scares me because I don't consider him to be a great bounce back guy in games. But I will say this. He has bounced back before after time off. So, like, you're right, Phil. He could come back on Sunday against uh, Detroit and absolutely be great, and it wouldn't be surprising. But how do you get him within the confines of a game to bounce back? That's my question. Yeah, that's a valid point that in-game it often feels like once things start going in a certain direction for him, yep. he doesn't just snap out of it. And there's a like, like that's one of the things I love about Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen. Rodgers can be this way too, by the way, just yep. like Kirk, where, oh, if the game starts going in one direction, then that's uh-huh. kind of the way it's going to go. But there's there's a bunch of other top quarterbacks, Brady probably most notably, where he'll have a terrible first half of a Super Bowl and then all of a sudden just go gangbusters mm-hmm. and lead his team on a game-winning drive. What is it about those guys that they can just not care about what happened in the first half? And it's sort, it's sort of a – it's an it factor, right? Mm-hmm. It's 
it's an intangible thing that you can't really measure with statistics on pro football reference. It's just the ability to say bleep it. Right. I'm going to still enforce my will on this game. So I think it is this, and, and this is a, a very tough thing. I think it's the ability to detach yourself from the previous moment. I think Kirk gets caught up in the whole game. Like the whole game to him is flowing, and it's either going great or it's going bad. Um, I think what the great quarterbacks do is is they, they've got the same mentality as the great closers in baseball did, which is, I blew the save last night. I don't care. But, I mean, that's that's simple to say, and I think as a person, hard to do. But the great ones can have a terrible game and say, you know what, I need one good quarter or one good drive. And I think for Kirk, that is a very tough thing. Yeah, that's a... Uh... It's been a thing. I think we're back to Judd here. Yeah. Statements. Um, statement on the offense and, uh, in particular, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook looks slow. Dalvin Cook looks slow. Now, in the first game, in fairness, uh, against the Packers, he had 20 carries, 90 yards, a four-and-a-half-yard average. Pretty good day there. Last night, though, he had... Six carries, 17 yards, 2.8 per carry, a long of six. And he looks slow. And and I just, I wonder with all that he's been through, for a player at his position now, he's not young. I just wonder if we are getting to the point in his career where this is the very reason why uh, guys at his spot are considered far more disposable. And there is no longer a reliance among the smart teams around the the league on this, you know, this back's been great. We've got to keep him. It just feels like Dalvin Cook could be trending in the wrong direction. And my fear there is, if that's the case, it's a quick decline. It's not a long and, decline. And the contract still has a bunch of guarantees and, and cap ramifications for the next, I think, two or three years. But he is, you look up and all of a sudden he's 27 years old. This is his sixth year in the NFL. You aren't guaranteed any level of health as a running back with as much usage as he has had yep. the last four years. Once you get to be 27 in your sixth year in the league, um, you know, again, let's see how it plays out. But it's not like he's playing hurt right now. He's fresh off the entire offseason. Yep. And you're right. There's just something, Something that doesn't look as explosive about him in the first couple of games. His long run, by the way, is 16 yards in the first two games, which right. is seems kind of un-Dalvin Cook-like. Um, again, small sample size alert all, all around here. He could have an explosive game against the Lions and maybe, okay, okay, I guess he just got off to a slow start. I don't know. Um, before we get to uh, Dex's next statement here, the Vikings victory candle has been uh, has been distinguished. Do, is there like no. a Vikings coping candle no. with yes, spiral lights? Yes, that's exactly that right. Exactly okay. right. It's called, guys, Judd's Purple Positivity Candle, uh, and it is there to not only celebrate wins. So, like, the Packers win was great, right? But the Purple Positivity Candle exists to calm you as well. So last night when you were watching that debacle and you're like, this is terrible, this is awful, and you're throwing stuff around and people are telling you to calm down, that's where you go and get your, your Spiralite Judd's Purple Positivity Candle and you light it and you know what happens? 
You're one with the you're one with the game. You're one with the world. You are feeling good. Spiral light. It's a great gift, but again, the Vikings candle, the purple positivity candle in particular, that's the place to start. Spiralightcandles.com. Spiralightcandles.com. Check them out. Uh, fall golf season is very much approaching here, Dax. You were reading the forecast of, what, low 60s this uh, weekend in the Twin Cities area? I can't wait. <laughs> I, I, I seriously can't wait as well. Let, let's see here. Looking at a high for the Twin Cities on Saturday, just 72 degrees. On Sunday, a high of 65. You can get out around right before the Vikings play the Lions uh, for a noon kickoff on Sunday. And I would go to the Meadows at Mystic Lake, an award-winning 18-hole public golf course, a great golf shop, the Meadows Bar and Grill, and the patio, whether you want one outside to enjoy that fall weather and enjoy the great scenic area that is the Meadows at Mystic Lake, or you stay in front of the bar like Judd likes to do. He likes to get at his bar stool. He stays right there. He's not going to go out and swing a golf club, but he will drink plenty of beer at the Meadows at Bar, at bar and Grill. Book your tea time now and book your experience. GolfTheMeadows.com to learn more. GolfTheMeadows.com to learn more. All right, uh, Dex, back to you for a statement. All right, my statement is, I'm waiting on someone here. So, week one was the Justin Jefferson show. That was clear. And to Judd's point, a quietly productive day from Dalvin Cook in in the week one win against the Packers. But where is the rest of this offense here? So, through two games, Adam Thielen has 88 yards, and a lot of that came in garbage time yesterday. K.J. Osborne has just 39 yards. 36 yards for tight end Herb Smith and had the worst drop of the season, obviously. Kane Wangwu's not being used. And meanwhile, we have 23 touches so far this season for Alexander Madison. Uh, I love that Johnny Munt is finding a little bit of a role here, but this offense was supposed to be pretty damn good. And so far through two weeks, outside of Justin Jefferson, I can probably make the case the Vikings offense hasn't really lived up to its full potential. So I'm I'm waiting on someone here. To make the case. And they targeted Jefferson 12 times, I believe, yesterday, right? And then and Darius Slay had him locked down. A couple, obviously, uh, um, holding calls that early that probably uh, d- delayed some of those catches. But waiting on someone else in this Vikings offense to explode. It's been underachieving through two games. I'm waiting on someone. I think, I just, just pulling up the targets through through two games here, I think there's way too high of a percentage of targets in the passing game going to running backs and tight ends. That feels very much like the Kubiak-Mike Zimmer offense. Now, this thing looks different. There's different route concepts. I'm not comparing the two offenses. But the guys who are getting the ball right now, Dalvin Cook is the second most targeted player on offense. Irv Smith has 10 targets. Johnny Munt has six targets through a couple games, uh, which is more than K.J. Osborne. (laughs) My guy. Uh, I don't need Dalvin Cook to have more targets than K.J. Osborne. So right now, 76 targets, you got 11 to Cook, you got uh, 16 to tight ends, that's 27. Five more to a backup running back, that's 32. So it looks like, and then Ben Ellefson and C.J. Ham have a couple. So right now, about half of your targets are going to running backs, tight ends, or backup tight ends, or a fullback. It just seems like you're running three wide receiver sets on a regular basis. How is K.J. Osborne not more involved in this thing. Is it Kirk that's not getting the ball to him? I mean, last night, you had, I think it was 11 targets to your running backs, and that felt like there's some pressure, check down, sort of bailout. There are some screens that got blown up, and those count as targets, but they're getting the ball to Jefferson enough right? 
He's got he's got you know eleven twelve targets a game, right? But there's a second third receiver here that probably need to get more involved than the tight ends and running backs in this offense. Well, I mean, Kirk is from what we were basically told by O'Connell. Kirk is going to the line of scrimmage with two plays, so like he's got yeah. options there. It's not it's supposedly not just one. So yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, continuing here, Viking statements after a disastrous loss last night. This might open up more. I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this statement because I think it opens up more of a, of a discussion than anything. But I will say this statement in two parts. Jalen Hurts is better than Kirk Cousins. And the Eagles are doing exactly what we sort of preached wanting the Vikings to do mm-hmm. many times over the last couple of years. So let's start with the Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins thing for a second here. And I saw our guy, uh, old friend of the show, Sage Rosenfels, tweeting about this this morning, that there's just a stark difference between having to defend both these guys. You know, Jalen Hurts, he's mobile. He's not as accurate as Kirk. If you're making a, a tale of the tape here, accuracy would go to Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be another thing or two that would go to Kirk. But difficulty to defend and game plan for would go to Jalen Hurts. I think willingness to just stay in there when things are tough and not back down from an opponent. Kirk is a curl-up-in-the-fetal-position guy when the going gets tough. Largely, unless it's the Panthers or the Lions or that Broncos game that people still get hung up on from like three years ago. Jalen Hurts seems like a foxhole guy, man. Doesn't he? Yeah. Just like, I'm going to go out tonight and I'm going to put on a freaking show and I might make some mistakes, but I'm going to go out there and be full Jalen Hurts tonight. Just seems very comfortable playing at his his peak and imposing his will on a game. And he's also... Sorry, no, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, go ahead. He's also the type of guy, and he's, the to me, the reason why you take chances in drafting quarterbacks. Because you don't know that. And look, to his credit, Jalen Hurts has improved himself substantially. Like, mm-hmm. he, is, he came into the league, I think, seen as a project guy, and it's now worked. But this is why we, we've talked about this a ton. This is why you draft him. So that you can, it, and worst comes to worst, you churn through him. But if you find one on a rookie contract, you have hit pay dirt. And think about this, too. Think about there's so many mobile quarterbacks in the league now that, that if, if they're not running for 500 or 1,000 yards in a season, they're at least keeping plays alive. Sure. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to run for 1,000 yards, but he's just going to scoot around behind the line of scrimmage and keep plays alive and stuff. I mean, Kyler Murray, that two-point conversion where he's running for 85 yards, there's so many of these dudes that can move now. Think about how great you have to be as a pocket passer if you don't have mobility. How great you have to be Correct. dissecting defenses, yes, you know, avoiding pressure that's coming at you by just shifting in the pocket, leading, overcoming adversity, all these things. Mm-hmm. And Kirk isn't great enough, often enough, in those other areas to overcome his lack of mobility. So Kirk might be more accurate. And Kirk might be the guy that can sit back in a pocket, a clean pocket, and dissect defenses at a higher level than Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Hurts makes up for so many things by being able to keep plays alive and then going and just like running for two touchdowns or running for 70 yards or whatever it takes. He's way harder to defend than Kirk Cousins. And I think the, probably the way to take the, um, the potential controversy out of this discussion is to say this. We don't even have to call him Kirk Cousins. He's just... As far as I'm concerned, QBX, right? Like, when you look at where this league is trending now, 
The Cousins' types, so not just Kirk, the Cousins' types are not the types of quarterbacks that you, I don't think, are going to win consistently with because they are ultimately one-dimensional. That doesn't make them bad, but if you look at the quarterbacks across this league now who are succeeding the most, who are they? Like, like what's the profile? The profile, mobile. Um, they can throw. They, they don't they don't have to all plant to throw. They are they are QBs that can basically take an RPO and be a true threat, not just a, well, we run RPOs too. No, they are true threats. So without uh, bagging on Kirk Cousins, I think the discussion here is just what type of quarterback is going to give you the best chance not to win a division, not to win a single game, but that's going to give you the best chance to potentially get to and win a Super Bowl. Here's another brilliant thing that the Eagles did. This is from Jason, uh, the head of OverTheCap.com. He put this out during the game last night. So they have Jalen Hurts right now on like a $1.6 million cap hit, which is among the lowest of any starting quarterback in the league. Sure. Like, I don't. There's maybe like one or two guys lower, but even the recent first-round picks, like Trevor Lawrence has like a $10 million cap hit because he was the first pick. So they're getting they're getting Jalen Hurts on a really low discounted contract until I think it'll be in two years. I think maybe next year and then the year after he will be eligible for for a substantial raise. I'm sure he'll get it. But in the meantime, this is their window. Like, okay, so we're not paying our quarterback any money, but he's still really good. Even if you take away the salary, he's still probably one of the fifteen to eighteen best quarterbacks in the NFL. You could maybe even make a case he's climbing based on the start of the season. And so where have they allocated the rest of their money positionally? they got all this extra money to spend on their roster. So they're spending almost twice as much as the average team on offensive line. They're spending more than the average team on wide receiver. So keep these positions in your head. What are the most important positions in the NFL right now? So they're spending twice as much as average on offensive line, spending more than average on receiver. They're spending twice as much as the average team on edge rushers. They're spending more than the average team on cornerback and defensive tackle. They're spending less than the average team on safety, linebacker, running back. It's a it's a smart way to build a roster. Yes. And you gotta get lucky because you gotta you gotta find the Jalen Hurts, but you gotta take a chance. And and you could say, well, you know, the Eagles took a chance on Jalen Hurts. It worked in the second round. The Vikings took a chance on Kellen Mond in the third round. They whiffed. And sometimes that's what happens. You just, you pick the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Different drafts, right? Yeah, I think. I believe they are. Either way, um, it's the what the Eagles are doing. I, I think if, if, if the season doesn't turn around for the Vikings, you could learn a lot by looking at what the Eagles have done the last two or three years, building this thing back up. I have confidence that the Vikings will eventually get this right. Like the Spielman, Spielman scared me because it was my contention that he could not, for the life of of him, identify a young, up-and-coming QB. Teddy fit, but I still think that 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 was Norv's uh, baby. But if you look at this now, I think that the Kirk thing, I think that they were told, hey, look, we got Kirk, we love Kirk, you know, let's win with Kirk. And so the, these two guys said, okay, cool, we'll try. Um, I have much more faith, though, that O'Connell and Quazy can now I now begin to here identify quarterback prospects, which to me, Spielman had whiffed far too much on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're back to Judd here for statements. 
Um, I want to know why Cam Dantzler was benched. Hmm. And here's why. So, so yes, the Vikings were trailing, uh, but they didn't bench a ton of guys. They benched Cam, who I thought had played pretty well. Like, certainly not the worst guy. Um, and here's what concerns me a bit. Patrick Peterson might go to the Hall of Fame. God bless him. He's a great player, or certainly was a great player, right? But unless Cam Dantzler was insubordinate or did something behind the scenes that we don't know that earned him a benching, if this was done on trying to take a look at a younger player, I want Peterson benched there. Like, this team is, yeah. this team, in my opinion, is developing players, which is great. That's awesome. First of all, it's late in a game. Peterson, it's not like he played great. He blocked a kick, but that's on special teams. So I'd like to know more about why Dantzler was benched because I don't, I don't like this if it's, well, he's a young player and this is a nod to our vets. Your vets are old and slowing down. Let's not get too hung up on, we got to respect the veterans. That's true if they're still extremely proficient. But in this case, unless Cam did something wrong and deserved to be benched, I don't like that trend of, well, he's the young guy, so he gets benched. Not, the only thing that would make sense is if he is just a weird attitude guy. And this this kind of showed its head with Zimmer, too, that he's got a feisty attitude and he can pop off a little bit sometimes. Yep. But in the in the in the tackling game last night, he made a couple brilliant open field tackles, very Antoine Winfield like, just put a put an end to a drive type tackles. And I'm looking at just the targeting stats last night too. So he was targeted eight times, and he only gave up five catches. So five, five when he was being targeted, Jalen Hurts had a 70 passer rating. So he just like it was like six yards a catch, and it was. Uh, like four yards per attempt, something like that. Okay. So he had a he had a good game. That's from he was one of the one of the bright shining pieces on the Vikings last night, and he got benched. Right. So, so there must be there must be something with attitude or something that aside from how he plays on the field that caused this to happen. I don't know. Hopefully somebody asks about it and gets an honest uh, gets an honest answer. If he told the coaching staff your game plan is horse bleep, I don't blame him one bit. Like if he got <laughs> well, benched cuz he said, "What are you guys even doing? Your your game well, plan." Well, there's a, there, there's a tactful way to go about that and maybe he to the battle, baby. To not do it tactfully. Heat of the battle. <laughs> hey Ed Donatel, do better. What are you doing, guy? Hey guy. I love right, guys. Uh, my next statement is unleash Lewis scene. Unleash Lewis scene here, okay? <laughs> like one snap yesterday. I know he played some special teams, but one defensive snap, I think, is all Lewis scene got on the field yesterday. Um, when you allow nearly 500 yards on your defense and you have your first round draft pick just playing special teams, you need some type of reinforcement there. And look, Harrison Smith has a concussion, so we'll check on his health status, obviously, going forward in the Lions game. Not, I don't think, a great game from Cam Bynum either. But Lewis seen in college at Georgia, which was a legendary defense last year, right? He was the number one graded safety in zone coverage. He, was, he dropped the hammer on players. He hits incredibly hard. When you have a cluster that was the Vikings defense against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles yesterday— you got to get some type of reinforcements in there. And with old linebackers and older players kind of looking slow and, and, and old, how about you plug in one of the best college safeties in the NFL last year that you drafted with your first-round draft pick? So, Lewis Seen. Let's unleash Lewis Seen on the Vikings defense next week against the Lions.
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Cam Bynum, I like Cam Bynum overall. I thought Cam Bynum in limited duty last year did pretty good. But if he's going to keep screwing up like that, that big touchdown up at the top might be uh, might be time to, you know, maybe you know, ESPN has the come on, man, and uh, you had one job on yeah. game day. Maybe we need one that's, what are you doing, guy? Okay. I'm going to give you one. My statement is going to be in that form here. Right? <laughs> All right. Irv Smith Jr., what are you doing, guy? What are you doing, guy? Uh, you've been you've been chomping at the bit. You've been you've been sitting out with an injury. You didn't you didn't play last year, and this is your big chance. All right, didn't really play much last week either. Not even starting. Johnny Mund has has started the season here. So, dude, it's time to go. We got to go, as our guy Chipper would say. And he drops a wide open touchdown pass. Yep. yep. Um, You're right. Listen, I, I want to have some empathy here because injuries have, have derailed him a little bit, and he was sitting behind Kyle Rudolph for a couple seasons, but it is year four, man. Yeah. Year four. This is it. In fact, isn't this the last year of his contract? Yes. Working contract So, yep. you, you know, you, and, and congrats on the touchdown last night, but you can't be. <laughs> we, we, wearing the film. number 84 has been people yeah, on a Monday out. night. Randy Moss's jersey. On a Monday night, too. What are, what are we doing, guy? What are we doing? Let's retire that number, too, huh? While we're at it. Hey, Irv, give me that number. Why? Because we're putting in the rafters. At the very least, he can't be allowed to wear number 84 next week. Dude dude has to take that jersey off. Has to take that jersey off. I'm telling you right now. Irv, Irv, give me the full screen here, Declan. Irv, guy. Do what's right. Irv Smith, you're going to drop 64-yard touchdown passes, whatever the yardage was. Monday night, national TV, wearing number 84. What are you doing, guy? You got to turn that jersey in, man. You cannot wear Randy Moss's jersey going forward. At the very least, I don't need to bench you, nothing like that. You're not going to get cut, but you got to turn the number 84 jersey in. You can't, with self-respect, wear that jersey anymore going forward. I'm Bravo. sorry. You're right. You're not what wrong. What are we doing, guy? I love it. Mm. It's mean, but been, I like it. There's been a lot of slappies too. Andre Allison. Oh God. Like, There's been so many people that have worn 84 right. since Moss. And they just and give just, it out to yeah. yeah. You're right to slappies. It's disgusting. It makes me sick, violently ill. Drive by to Andre Allison. My bad. Um, all right. My next statement is this: I need more. I need more from number 18, Justin Jefferson. Okay, dude, your first game was great, and you are an unbelievable talent. And we praised you up and down because you deserved that praise. Okay, Darius Slay is really good. I appreciate that. You were doubled at times. I appreciate that. You also acknowledge that you weren't at times. But the fact is, you know what? More often than not, you are going to be, and you should be, the most paid attention to player on offense for this team. You got to fight through it. You got. You're going to have tough games. You're going to get beat up. You are, go- but you are a phenomenal talent. And the Packers did not have a good day. They screwed up, but. You are going to be the assignment of a lot of top corners. They're going to roll safety help. And we've talked about this before. But the plan is not to just say now, well, Justin Jefferson has been taken away. The plan is to say, how do we get him open? How do we get him the ball? And there's going to be times he's going to have to fight for the ball. He's going to be uh, being held, which he was last night. He's going to have a route that, that he is supposed to flatten out. He needs to do that. Um the way he sort of disappeared, 12 targets, 6 catches, and an underwhelming game last night, um, that's partially 
if not at times largely, on him too. And he cannot, under any circumstances, for this team to be as successful as we expect, I think, still, he cannot disappear. Dude, got to fight through it. It's tough. The league sucks at times. But what makes players great, what makes players great is the want to as well as the ability. Yeah. Life sucks. Deal with it. Deal with it. It's true. (laughs) Adversity, man. Deal with it. Uh, You know what doesn't suck? Underdog fantasy. No, it does not. Let's highlight my guy, uh, uh, Alec, here. So Alec tweeted us last week and said, Thanks to my daily choice of podcast and Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily, I tried underdog fantasy and cashed out. Over $1,500 this weekend for week one. Oh, my God. Over $1,500 in underdog fantasy. Alec, please give me advice on picks for underdog fantasy. Week two was a bloodbath for me, but it was a great week. Results not guaranteed. Oh God! But uh, but but pick them options daily uh, daily fantasy draft leagues. There's plenty of great options at Underdog Fantasy. Be like Alec, okay? Not like Declan. Not like Declan. My sports son just screwed me yeah. left and right on. Uh, those although picks. I will say, uh, uh, you know, you you said AJ Brown would go well over that seventy-one and a half yards. He, uh, yeah, okay, I did I, not I, go over well that. over. Huh? Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, all right, guy. All right, but uh, but <laughs> but guy. be like Alec. <laughs> cash out those pick them slips. Show us those slips. Download the Underdog Fantasy app, and if you use promo code. Score, it helps us out, S-K-O-R, and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy and the Underdog Fantasy app. We're going to have Declan fire someone here just uh, in, in a brief moment, but a shout-out to our friends over at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They have been supporting us for a long time and supporting businesses in and around and outside the state of Minnesota. They're based in Owatonna. They are one of us, so to speak. And they're all about helping you maximize your business through risk management tools and resources. Find out how Federated can help your business at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, uh, this was one of our most popular features of last year on the uh, the weekly Alex Boone appearances. So now on Purple Daily, uh, I am <clears throat> Macadac is firing someone's ass with Booney. Oh boy! But we but but people have been asking like why isn't Declan firing people anymore? So we're gonna bring it back here on Mackie and Jed every single week. Declan wants somebody's ass fired. You're fired. You just made the list. All right. <laughs> no, I, we talked about Nathaniel Hackett. I even talked a little bit about Kevin Stefanski yesterday. But you know what? Um, let's give Nathaniel Hackett a full season. Kevin Stefanski again. Not all the blame is on him. Let's let's rip this bandaid off though, to the, though, because it should have been ripped off before the season. And this guy's going to be fired. The first head coach fired. No problem. Matt Rule. Matt Rule is this was terrible, man. He is <laughs> plus two fifty to be fired right now, according to bookies.com. He has won wow. 10 games, 10 games out of 35 tries. And can I be honest? Where was the vetting process that made Matt Rule the candidate to be an NFL head coach? So so he went 11-1 and at Baylor right before uh, jumping ship to Carolina, which, hey, Baylor's a, a Power 5 school. They, they were pretty damn good. But before that, they went 7-6, and 1-11 in his first season at Baylor. And, like, and Matt Rule saving grace, you know what, this is what Matt Rule should do. He went to Temple, and Temple was a 10-win football team, 10-4, and 10-5, and winning a Sun Bowl here and there, winning the Military Bowl. That's your ceiling, Matt Rule. You should be nowhere near an NFL team, my guy. And Baker Mayfield, I know, not your best quarterback option there, but 
Carolina Panthers deserve a lot better than Matt Rule. So Matt Rule, you're fired. Come on down. You just made the list. <laughs> Low hanging oh, fruit. Man. You just took it out. Yeah, it's it's an easy one to to rip off right now. Oh, and two, and he's got, and of course, I love these these reports that came out about you know conflicting Judds. What Jeb was hearing that hey the Vikings and the pa- the Panthers at least had a casual conversation no, about Kirk Cousins. The Panthers laughed. were like, "Oh, that is l- ludicrous. Yeah. We would never." Well, well maybe ya? you should have, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, there it is. Dex wants someone's ass fired. I'm guessing Roycey is probably banging on the door to do uh, Roycey oh, Unchained here. So. Well, yep. Pat, it's at yeah. noon, and it's he still 11.55. He walked in. I was still on. Are you still on? I was like, yeah, I'm still on. We have uh, <laughs> There's lights that say on air. And, right? and in New. fact, Phil, we, we, just re- we just replaced here in the studio like brand new on-air lights. They're actually really slick. They look really, really cool, and they're much more like honestly obnoxious in a good way of on air. Yep. Like it's very yep. clear that this light is on, and it says on air. Uh, and Pat Royce just opens the door. What are you there's, there's a light that says on air, and there's also two dudes with headphones staring at microphones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we're just chilling. And it's we're just watching Good Morning America. There's two yeah. minutes before we got to start. <laughs> <That's incredible. laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for uh, for hanging out with us here on this post-mortem edition of Mackie and Judd. And again, if you miss Purple Daily or Vikings Ventline, all sorts of therapeutic recapping of the Vikings debacle in Philadelphia. So click subscribe on the score North and purple daily YouTube channels. And we'll see you guys for a write that down Wednesday tomorrow.